Super Talk Mississippi media production. Whether you're looking to start a career with no student loans or change careers to land one of the happiest jobs in the world, yep, that's construction, Build Mississippi can help. Visit buildmississippi.com to learn why a career in the trades deserves another look. buildmississippi.com. Your future is waiting. What's up on a Wednesday? I'm or Thursday. Damn, I can't get anything right. Brian Scott, my co-conspirator as always is Michael Borky. I'm back from a few off days, so we didn't have a Monday or a Wednesday pod. I apologize for that, but I uh, took a couple of vacation days. I'm now back, kind of in the swing of things. And man, when you un- I unplugged from, I'd say I saw I covered the state game in Starkville Saturday. Drove to Fort Worth to see my girlfriend on Sunday. Our birthdays are back to back, so like hers is Friday, mine was Monday, whatever. And so for kind of for that type of thing, I unplugged for a few days. You want to talk about a strange day to try to get reacclimated to the sports world? Yesterday, March 11th, 2020, was one of the strangest days in sports. And I'm just driving, as I normally do when I go out and like kind of unplug for a while, I'm just driving back, trying to listen to some podcasts, catch up, listen to radio, what have you. And as the day progressed on, as I met you and Jackson for radio, and then as I'm driving home to Oxford after that and watching the Ole Miss basketball game, it just got weirder and weirder as the night went on. And by the time I went to bed around 11 o'clock last night, that may have been the strangest day in sports I've ever experienced. So with that, what's up? Um, probably the strangest day in sports since O.J. Simpson led police on a very average speed chase i mean i wasn't alive yeah, at that june time whatever either, 1994 the, the yeah. 30 for 30 on that where there's no talking and it's just news clips is fantastic yeah it, it has to be the strangest day since then I, I even tweeted it just to see what the replies were and i had a few people say nine uh, the first uh, sporting events back from 9 11 but if you think back and remember on those those days and those games it was a very it, it was strange it was different but it was like a very positive, like patriotic Sports were a unifier here, and now you're not, you don't get that. That's been removed from the situation, exactly. which we'll get into. Uh, so th- this is very different. I wasn't alive during that OJ thing, but based on what I've read in that documentary, it seems like uh, nothing comes close to that or this in between. If that made any sense, this is the strangest day, or yesterday was the strangest day in sports since. OJ led police on a chase back in the 1980s. Yeah, and I don't even really know where to begin with all of this. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm well, like. It starts with, well, look, it depends on where you want to start it. Do you want to start it with when things really took off? Because, yeah, I mean, that, but that's where, that's where we should start. The, the, the night got, took an incredibly strange turn when I was sitting, I'd just gotten home, just finished up watching the old Miss game, uh, was, like grabbed some food and I was sitting at my kitchen table and I saw a Woj tweet and it's one of those things where every time there's a major trade or something or something that just occasionally just sounds so preposterous you're like oh fake Woj account and it wasn't and it was just literally said the NBA suspending its season and that's really when the whole night changed yeah and that was after uh the Jazz and the Thunder are on the court team introductions happen and then some doctor runs out of the tunnel, grabs the officials, and they put both teams in the locker room and end that game. I mean, 
that and I wasn't watching that game in real time, but I just I had like ESPN pregame stuff on, and they cut away to that moment, and that is just so extremely bizarre. And you knew it was tied to Rudy Gobert, who I know people are defending him today, but in hindsight, what an asshole. <laughs> so Rudy Gobert. Yeah, so I missed this originally. So I'm sure there are people out there, maybe some like me, that maybe didn't see it. So just kind of outline why before what happened last night, because it's dripping in irony. But I didn't actually see this until last night. I didn't see this clip. See, I saw it. I didn't see it happen because I wasn't watching a jazz press conference live, but I saw a video shortly thereafter. Uh, Rudy Gobert, and if you're not an NBA guy, Rudy Gobert is a French center for the Jazz. He's seven foot two. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um, was getting interviewed, and this was right after the NBA uh, announced their policy to keep media far further away from players, like eight feet or something was their threshold. So he's behind. He's sitting on a table. And he's got the big all thing these with professional sports, no locker room access. That's the right. big, yeah. He's sitting at a table, and there's a couple microphones and cell phones and recorders in front of him. And when he wraps up the interview, he he's about to walk away. Then he turns around and stops and makes it a point to touch every single recorder and microphone in front of him to basically make fun of the policy. The next day, he is ruled questionable for their game for an illness. The next day, he tests positive for coronavirus. Yeah, and like so, he I, had I, it. It without a doubt, without a doubt, he had it when he touched all those people's microphones and recorders. I, it's one of those things where you look back, and it's like making a joke in poor taste. I mean, that's exactly what this was. Like, is Rudy Gobert a bad guy? I, by all accounts, no. I mean, from what I understand. Pros, pro, all those cliches. Guy's been in the league a long time. Teammates absolutely love him. And I'm sure he was just trying to make light of the situation because you could tell. I watched the clip last night and like he's touching the things he's or whatever. He's trying to be funny. Yeah, he's smiling. The media people are smiling. I, I don't know. I don't want to. I mean, I'm speaking kind of out of ignorance here. But from what I've read about Rudy Gobert in the past, like I, I assume he's he seems like one of those guys that has a pretty good relationship with most of the traveling beat staff in that locker room. Yeah. And so I'm sure he was just trying to be friendly and trying to be funny, not knowing like it's almost hard for me to blame him in some ways, because honestly, until last night, I didn't understand how serious this was to fully scope, like to be honest. And like if I my if my me and my dumb brain didn't get it either. He's a professional athlete. Like, he lives in a smaller bubble than I do. Like, I, I can't necessarily blame him for that, for not taking it as seriously. So, like, I mean, it, it looks awful. It sucks for him after the fact. But, like, I, that didn't necessarily bother me. Like, I guess to him, I, like, it's unfortunate. I feel bad he has the virus. But, like, that didn't bother me as much because there's no way he could have known. Because, like, that's where you, the weird thing about reading all these things is most people who have it don't even show very, like, don't even show symptoms. Rippy, like, he was it, going to play last night. Right. He correct, was prepared yeah. to play. I mean, because whatever illness he had it came and went so quickly, it didn't even affect him. So we'll get to that side in a second because I don't, I, I'm not a doctor and I don't want to pretend to play doctor and I still haven't read as much as I should about what exactly this is. Apparently there's a uh, Time Magazine piece that's pretty good and one more that hopefully I'll get to today because, I mean, what else am I going to do? But it, he gets it, and that's really when the night turns. They cancel the game in Oklahoma City, 
And then what was it probably a half hour after is when it seemed like it was announced. Maybe it was longer in real time. But for, for me, by the time I heard about the Rudy Gobert thing, maybe it was an hour later, they, the, ga- the games were can't the NBA season was suspended until further notice at the completion of play. And then they appeared they canceled but one of at least no, just the one late game, Sacramento and New Orleans. And that's really like when you have a league as large as the National Basketball Association canceled or not canceled, suspend their season and take that drastic of a measure, it's naturally going to send panic. I mean, we live in an age of fear and panic online and all of that. Uh, not to be Clay Travis here, but I think there is some merit to that. That's naturally going to unsettle a lot of people. And like, I mean, I was kind of the same way. I was like, oh, oh holy shit. Like this, this is really happening because this came, you know, 15 minutes after the news that Ole Miss or the SEC was going to play at spring sports without fans, at least through March 30th. Like it just kind of kept building. And then all of a sudden you had this, like it was like the smaller wave, smaller wave. And then boom, this tidal wave hits with the NBA suspending its season. And it's like, whoa. But then what's happened after that has been interesting because I understand what the why the NBA do. Look, if you had a player get it, he's got to self-quarantine for two weeks, apparently, is the standard here. Anyway, well, and all of the other with, people that he were he was around like uh, the Grizzlies and the Magic both used the plane that he was on a couple of days ago, like within a few days. So the entire Grizzlies and Magic team probably have to quarantine. And then. The, there was an official that officiated one of the Jazz games recently that was about to officiate New Orleans-Sacramento last night. I mean, all these people that – I think the Jazz have played, what is it, five games in ten days or four games in ten days, and last night would have been the fifth. So all of those teams have to now test themselves, and all of their staff and all of the officials and everybody that was on the airplane, all because of Rudy Gobert. Like, there was no shot after one player tested positive – that they were going to continue on this, just considering how many people that he has been around and has touched in such a short period of time, because that league is so interconnected. All most of the teams use the same small fleet of airplanes. Yeah, no, you're right, and so that's exactly why I understand. Like, like for as dramatic as unnecessary dramatic as the NBA can be, sometimes it makes perfect sense. Like whether you agree with the canceling or not, when you have that, and he's come in contact with that many players. And all of that, like you can't schedule games or and have you know what I, I saw last night. It was the Celtics, the Knicks, the Celtic was it Knicks, Cavs, Raptors. Is it Celtics was one of them? Was that the fourth? Uh, the games last night. No, 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 no. The 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 uh, the games that Rudy Gobert or teams Rudy Gobert had come in contact with in the previous like ten days. It was Give me John one Shirani's second. I will suspension. be able to tell you. Let's see. Or maybe that was Brian Windhorst. Um, okay. Jazz. <sighs> Let's see here. All right. So in since March 2nd, they've been in Cleveland, in New York, in Boston, in Detroit, at home against Toronto, in Oklahoma City last night. Okay. So four teams have been self-quarantined and like, it makes sense. Like I get like you can't, I guess my point in all that was you can't really schedule a, like have your games go on as normal when four of your teams aren't allowed to like be out on the court and play. So I get that. But then the, what's interesting is what happened next is because you start seeing the, the, the panic and, and people, no one really, like there's, there was a shortage of actual information 
And so it just left people speculating because you had the NCAA announce earlier tonight. This all happens in like a two-hour period. Like they're not going to have anyone in the gyms for their tournament games. You have that. You have the conference tournament games at night going on, and you're wondering if they're going to play the next day. And then you have Sean Farnham on SVP just saying he he thinks it's the last basketball game of the year has been played. And like you really don't have any information to base that off of. And I get he's speculating, but that's still just kind of irresponsible in my opinion. Uh, and it appears as of right now, not many there haven't uh, that I know of. None of the conference tournaments have been canceled. They will be played in empty gyms for the most part. Is that do I have that understanding correct? Yeah, as of right now, uh, I think it's only the Ivy League that has canceled their tournament. And they they had canceled spring sports, like all they had canceled all spring sports. Like they canceled their tournament a, a week, like before the NBA thing happened. Correct. That's I, I, right. I, yeah, so the, all of that had happened before. So outside of the Ivy League, which is really not a good base measure for like what other athletic conferences are going to do, because I think Richard pointed this out on radio the other day. The Ivy League is like very much like old school college athletics. Like they don't, like their tournament is not fun, like making a ton of money and things like that. So I don't think that's a very good indicator of what other conferences were planning to do or going to do. But what's interesting is you haven't really heard anything from the NHL. You haven't really heard anything from major league baseball. I've seen major league baseball exploring uh, different uh, sites for games for places that are hotbeds like the West Coast teams. I saw Seattle. I would assume they're looking into it for the California teams. But you haven't really heard much at all from the NHL. Uh, I saw the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to restrict people from coming to games in the near future. So you have this one league that had a player test positive And the... Okay, hold on. Here's the unit. Given the uncertainty regarding next steps regarding the coronavirus, clubs are advised not to conduct morning skates practices or team meetings today. That's three minutes ago from the NHL. That's basically the version of an NHL shoot-around. So you got that going on. The Players' Championship is apparently just going on as... Apparently, without unless I've seen anything different, like no restrictions to fans going on as normal. You have... Like, no one... There doesn't seem to be any uniformed policy or any unif like no one seems to be in lockstep as to far what they're going to do if that makes sense and that's the confusing part about this that's what that's what like i don't know what the right step of action is is it dramatic for the ncaa tournament to be canceled or the conference tournament to be canceled i don't know it doesn't seem realistic that the ncaa tournament is going to be played with the way things are headed but again i don't know that i don't know i don't know anything and i think that's the frustrating part so what do you what do you think happens? Do you think they finish these conference championship games? I think so. I think they're going to try until one player or one coach tests positive. Uh, I think they're going to try to continue to play the games. Uh, and this isn't a political statement. This is just reality. Um, our, our media and our political leaders have failed us as far as information goes. Because I did the experiment. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say the same thing. So I just wanted to try it. Uh, the president addressed the nation. I think it was at eight o'clock. I watched it because uh, of course I did. Um, and then immediately after, uh, I, Sean Hannity was on cause I, Fox was the first channel I saw. So I put it on Fox to watch the president. Sean Hannity was on and he went into this long thing about how, well, you know, we've had these before and it happened in 2009 under Barack Obama. So it's not a big deal. Everybody chill out. Then you flip over to CNN. It's the exact opposite. It's holy shit. We're all going to die. And the president's an embarrassment. And Instead of having, here are the facts. Here's what you need to do. Here's what needs to be done. Here's yeah, like what the health expert information. Says. I don't want your opinion. And it's you can't get a separation of the two. It is here is 
some of the facts that make what I'm about to say right. Instead of, okay, here's how many people are affected. Here's what you need to do to stop yourself from getting infected. Here's what's happened in other countries. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're not doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of just telling us what's going on, it's opinion, it's, uh, it's political posturing, and it's an embarrassment. And so now, like, and I've got a four-month-old, and, and my wife uh, spends a lot of time around her ailing grandparents. And so, I, you know, what do I tell them? Because my wife's kind of freaked out. She watches the news, and it's, everybody's dying. So what do I tell her? Because I can't go anywhere to find anything that says, hey, we need to just kind of shut it down and be at home for a few weeks. Or don't worry, James is going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Business as usual around here. Let's just wash our hands more. I don't know what to tell her. And, and I had people send me messages last night like with articles from like the Free Beacon or whatever that are like, oh, it's not worse than the flu. Like This is all mass hysteria. And it's like, man... That can't be the case either. It's somewhere in between, but nobody's willing to just go there and tell us what it is, what the in-between actually is or what we should do. Because if it takes just two weeks of shutting down everything to like control this and it be all good, then do it. That's not mass hysteria. That's just doing what needs to be done to not let us turn into Italy, which is on a complete country lockdown right now. And I don't know the answers because nobody's willing to tell me what they are without some kind of partisan political posturing BS mixed in. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And I have some thoughts to follow that up right after this. But we do need to take a break and remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, in all seriousness, with with everything going on and, and not having fans at games and all that this weekend, uh, you know, I, not politics aside and all of that, it, it does affect a lot of business owners uh, and Greg included at LB's. Uh, I texted him this morning just kind of thinking about him because it, it affects a lot of people. It affects hourly workers that work at the games. Like, this is a bad situation. And uh, not to damper the mood, but uh, just thinking about Greg this week, hopefully this gets, um, you know, kind of contained. And maybe this is wishful thinking sooner rather than later, and we can kind of all get back to normal lives. But if you are in Oxford and you want to uh, you want to self-quarantine with some meat, go See Greg, University Avenue across from Kroger, uh, best place in Mississippi to get meat. He is, uh, he has, I, well, like, I, my normal ad read here is he can fe- he feeds the baseball team, he can feed you all to watch the baseball team, but that doesn't really feel appropriate at this time. But he's got, you know, daily specials, plate lunches. Go see him, University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg's the man. It's a tough time for local businesses around here, uh, at least for the next couple of weeks. Go support him. Greg's awesome. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. I don't really know how else to say that because, like, the yeah, the, the normal attery doesn't is not really appropriate at this current moment, and it just another thing that's just very very strange. So anyway, uh, thinking about Greg. Greg actually texted me. While I was on vacation. I don't know if anyone made money this weekend, but his XFL pick started three and zero and is going four and zero. I'm working to get confirmation as to whether he finished off the undefeated weekend. But uh, Greg uh, through. The hey, plague, keep talking. I'll be, I'll be, I have to step away for like 10 seconds, all right? No problem. The Greg through the coronavirus and all is just out here printing money for you folks. So University Avenue across from Kroger, go see him. But what Borky was saying about the uh, the news failing us and the media failing us, I couldn't agree more. And as someone who worked it, who has a pretty a decent, like all of my background before Super Talk came from newspapers and seeing the decline of the mid-sized newspaper and just what 
what media has turned into in general. I, I couldn't agree more, and it's sad because, like, in times like these, you need media. You need people to kind of put – I mean, the, 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 the root of journalism is putting right, your I'm opinion back. aside and, and gathering facts and information and informing the public. Like, I mean, the days of, like, Walter – Con- I always say his name Cronkite. Right, wrong. Cronkite. I always want to say Concrete. Like and all of that are over, and 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 the way just modern television has changed news forever is it, kind of changed it for the worst in times like these because you need information. You need, you know, I mean, you need to like, like there's a spin on everything, like you say, and and when people just need information for public health things like this, it's very discouraging to where you can't get a straight answer from media. And to be honest, I'm not being political here. But when you don't have strong leadership from the top, like in terms of like, like I'm, I mean, honestly, I'm talking about the president of the United States, and like he, there really is no real firm message with regards to that. And from what I understand, I didn't watch Trump's thing last night just because I, I, I honestly, I didn't know it was going on until after, like I said, I've been out of the loop. But it, it seemed to be downplaying it, and that I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but from the clips I watched, it still did not seem very clear. And from what I gather. You were still unclear after like the severity of it after watching it, and like I'm, I'm not like I'm, I'm not going like CNN or MSNBC here and like roasting the president. I'm just saying at times like this, you need clear, strong leadership, and I don't think that statement did much for that last night. No, I, and I watched it, and there were some things that that I liked, uh, some things that made sense, and then I don't know, man. It, Nothing has been clear or concise whatsoever. Like I went to the grocery store yesterday. Obviously, I mean you have to go every couple of days. Uh, there was a lady pushing two buggies. One of them was filled with toilet paper, as much as she could put in the thing, and the other one was filled with soups, as much as she could put in the thing. And I'm thinking. That seems unnecessary, but has anybody told her that that's not necessary? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like you're not going to blame people. For, yeah, exactly. And, and like you can't blame her for it, right? Either because like, I don't know. Yeah, and I and I, I know inevitably because we got it during the radio show yesterday on the text line. We had people say this is not worse than the flu. It's just mass hysteria, and it's like look at the the progression numbers in the last week. It's a little bit worse than that. More, I, I don't, but to what degree, I don't know. But there's no way that the, the country of Italy is shutting down everything because of liberal mass hysteria. Like, that's not why they're doing that. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos from, like, outside of apartment buildings. Like, there are masked security guards not letting people out of their housing complexes. It's real. To what extent? I don't know. But it's it's not just a bad cold. It can't be because they wouldn't be doing that shit. But then again, nobody's telling me it's not. I don't know. I'm try like I try to read. I try to consume information, and it just seems so vastly different from one provider to the next that it's hard to pick one to believe. Yep, I uh, I couldn't agree more. But uh, we're kind of going off the grid, and that's okay because uh, this is not like I mean, hell, Scott. I mean, Scott Van Pelt is the number like my favorite TV guy in sports media industry, and he was struggling on national television last night as to like he did a great job, he was fantastic, but even he was kind of fumbling through like what to ask and where to go from here. I mean, he looked at I I, I think he was I can't remember I think he was talking to Sean Farnham or whatever, but he was like. 
I, I know you're not going to know the answer to this, but I don't know what else to ask or who else to ask it to, but what's next? Because I think that's what everyone's wondering. But anyway, just a strange day in sports last night. Uh, and it, it was on a lighter note, maybe this will cause the NBA to realize that they need to start their season on Christmas and play until August. Yeah, because if you get a, if we get like a month hiatus, I mean, that'll put it in July. But that's kind of closer to that because then you'll have August dominating free agency and all of that, which I think that's probably you're probably headed towards it anyway. Whenever something like that starts gaining momentum and NBA reporters start kind of floating that out there, that's usually league executives just trying to kind of test the public interest in that idea. Uh, so I actually think that's probably on the way in the next half decade. I don't know about you, but uh, maybe this is kind of a springboard for it. But I don't know what is next. Uh, and I guess that's kind of before we get in, we do have some old Miss stuff to get into. But, like, I, what does this look like in a week? Because I do think since all these teams are at these conference tournaments, I think you're probably, and again, unless a player contracts the coronavirus or is tested positive for it, I think you'll probably, my best guess is you see these conference tournaments played in empty gyms this, through the weekend, I think. And then after that, I really don't know. I, like, if you made me guess whether there's an NCAA tournament or not right now, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't know how to answer what what do you think? Yeah, my guess would be um, my, my guess would be it's not happening. So you think the NCAA tournament is going to get canceled? You think I, it's done? I think so. Uh, I could be wrong, but I just I don't know how you're going to have the NBA not play games and you continue to play games and maybe yeah, because the key here is travels, right? Like they're going to finish the conference championship games because the teams are already there in that city. Whatever, but you, what, to your point, the NBA is canceling it for a number of reasons, but travel included, you're going to have to get all these dudes on planes and fly them to regional sites. And then stay in hotels and then eat from places where you can't verify you know, who made it or, or where the employees have been. It just seems like, a, it seems like we're, go, we're heading towards a, a sports shutdown for a handful of weeks and then a reassessment. But what's interesting, I don't necessarily disagree with that because that's 10 like like my mind is so kind of uh, torn on this this whole logic and ideology like in, in how to think on this because I tend to agree with your line of thinking. But like, I mean, the, these games are going on as scheduled right now. The PGA Tour doesn't appear to be doing anything about it. the NHL really took their first steps last night. Like if. Because if, if you stop them, it's a slippery slope. And I'm not saying – like the games when it comes to public health are trivial and not important. But like I, particularly for professional sports league and like the PGA Tour and the NHL and all that, when you stop and no one has the virus, like there are no confirmed cases, then what's next? Like when is it appropriate to start back? Like like are you just done for months? Like I don't – like you know, the NHL you know, going to stop this would because take the is somebody – to put their foot down in in political or authoritative leadership and say, this requires this many weeks of absence to know if we have it under control or not. And after that time, if it hasn't expanded, start back up. But until then, shut shit down until we can figure out what to do. Like, that's what this takes. Because you have so many different leagues and organizations that have so many different leaders and opinions and they're going to do things differently. The NBA shut down their season for the time being. The SEC is not letting any fans at spring sports. But, I mean, today's Thursday. Tomorrow, Ole Miss has a baseball game in Oxford. Like, that's going to happen as of right now. 
That's yeah, going allegedly. to happen. Um, it, so you have so many different people with different ideas. The Ivy League is shutting things down. Uh, the, the Players' Championship somehow is just going to have 200,000 people uh, over four days at their tournament and just let that happen somehow. It, it's going to take somebody with factual backing to put their foot down and say, shut big public gatherings down for this amount of time because it takes this amount of time to know whether or not you have this disease. And if, if after that time, your leagues and everybody's clear, then you can start back. But until then, don't play anymore. That's what but this think, will take. I think part of that, too, is like it's not a lack of someone doing it. It's a lack of answers. Because I was watching – I was watch, so the late-night sports center last night with John Anderson and I forget the other guy had a, had a doctor on last night. And I believe he was an uh, expert in like outbreaks and things like this. And, and the, the, the official name for what he specialized in is escaping me as well as the doctor's name. I should have written it down because I found the segment interesting. But he, in terms of like sheer panic, he was not up on that scale. And I know it's not his job to panic. He's a medical expert. But like he was asked questions as to whether it was an effective step to uh, to play these games in empty gyms, and he thought yes. And then he thought, you know, when they asked him if they should cancel everything, he said he didn't really know. Like he just like the the idea that like he basically was kind of waffling on the fact that yes, like, while it's a good preventative measure to prevent large gatherings, and that's a good like like that's a good way to kind of slow down the spread of the virus. He also was like, would also the odds of players getting it from fans or vice versa is small because this virus is not spread through the air. It's spread through physical contact. Um, and I guess within close proximity. And so it, he did like, he, he, he didn't really give a clear answer, but he didn't also seem to think that everything needed to be shut down either. He thought uh, as of right now, for at least from the college ranks, uh, playing the games in empty gyms, was feasible and a decent solution. But, you know, as the situation continues to evolve by the second and by the hour, that could obviously change. But that that was the first time I heard a medical a professional's opinion on whether they should continue with these games or not, which I don't know if that's reassuring. I don't really know what that is. I just found it interesting. <laughs> and all it takes is one. But it, as long as there isn't one, uh, I mean, it, that – that does make sense. Uh, and Mark Cuban, for whatever it's worth, was just on Get Up and said that he expects the NBA season to be postponed, not canceled, and they absolutely could and would be willing to play into August. That's interesting. That'll uh, that'll uh, be pretty good for the summer content. But you know, I don't know what else to angle to hit this from. It was one of the strangest days I've ever seen. Was watching like I was just kind of. I mean, I hate to compare the two, but the day Kobe passed away. I was just kind of glued to the television for three to four hours at a time. I get I stopped whatever I was doing, and I got home after the Ole Miss game last night. And like from then on, I really just kind of flipped back and forth between basketball broadcasts and the uh, and Sports Center, just because I wanted to see what the what the uh, what the broadcast now they were handling. And honestly, like I, I flipped it to TCU Kansas State. Uh, I think there was a late night Pac-12 game, something like that. But they weren't really mentioning it that much they would mention it during dead balls and kind of the eerie feeling and whatever but like they weren't talking about a ton and then you flip on the sports center and of course it's it's all over the place and it's headline news and all of that and it's, it was just interesting it was it was a strange night and like i just couldn't turn it off it was it was interesting so i don't really know what this means going forward but 
the point is moot for the Ole Miss Rebels basketball team because their season is over. They lost to Georgia last night. Uh, fairly handily, they were just kind of dominated. Uh, did you catch this game? Like To me, this was just kind of a pretty good encapsulation of what their season was. I mean, they got beat soundly on the defensive end. They really struggled to score the basketball. Kermit, I mean, excuse me, this Georgia team is not a really good, a very good team, and they, they handled Ole Miss with ease. To me, Ole Miss, I don't want to say they quit or waved the white flag, but, man, they look like a tired group. And when you're tired and don't have much to play for, it's really hard to kind of dig down and actually keep going. So I'm not going to say those kids quit, but, man, they look like they were kind of dragging ass to the finish line. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I got. Maybe that's not the case. but And they made a, a little run, cut it to single digits, I think all the way down to seven, right, in the second half. Uh, definitely got it to within single digits. but uh, Yes, they cut matter. it to seven. They had an eight-o run that cut it to seven. And th- that team next year is going to have to look pretty different than its current makeup without Bree and Tyree. Yeah, so Tyree, last game of his career, 18.6 of 16 shooting. Devontae Shewer for a second game in a row actually played pretty well. He had 17 points, 8 of 15, did not make a three-point shot. Ole Miss was 3 of 15 from the three-point line. Uh, I believe they shot 54% from the field for the game. No, no, no. Georgia shot 42%. 42%. Ole Miss was 42, made two three-point shots in the game, and they were both Bree and Tyree. And just really, really struggled. I mean, they were sloppy on the defensive end. I mean, like I, I like I mentioned, though, I botched the stat. Georgia shoots 55% from the field. They had 42 points in the paints. They were getting incredibly easy looks. It just seemed like every time, like, like Ole Miss got cut up bad by the extra pass. I thought Georgia moved the basketball extremely well. And every time Georgia made an extra pass or moved the ball to the one side of the floor one extra time, they usually got a wide-open layup or, or, or a wide-open, very clean look. Like, I, I thought it was a very poorly played game defensively for Ole Miss. And it was a game where... Uh, Edwards didn't really do much. He scored six points on two of 13 shooting, but you gave up. The Harris kid had 21, and then you had 22 from Rashawn ha- or Rayshon Hammonds. Like it, it, the the guy that the lottery pick didn't kill you. It was it was it was two other guards, or excuse me, a guard and a forward. Like they Ole Miss got killed on the interior in this game. I mean, there was. I mean, the rebound advantage was only uh, 30 what 33 32 but that doesn't really tell the full story because of the amount of looks georgia got around the rim 42 paint points oh to their credit Ole miss had 38 and then another uh, a really just shocking stat in this game yeah i mean the Ole miss bench scored two points that yeah. is not gonna cut it that is sammy hunter you had austin crowley and bryce williams play a combined 36 30? minutes yeah and it's 27 to crowley so it's kind of unfair to say combined but and didn't score. And Sammy Hunter had two points in 12 minutes. That's not going to cut it. No, it's not. And so uh, this season mercifully came to an end. But, man, uh, is it fair to say that – actually, no, I'm not even going to go down that road. Never mind. But the season mercifully comes to an end. The roster kind of has to be turned over a little bit. Um, does that Does that kind of feel like they are – going to have to reset I mean kind of the trajectory of the program because at the end of last year the conversation was all about wow this program is just this is going to be the worst team they've ever had uh, going nowhere but up and now after year two I mean it feels like 
I mean, they've got to have half the roster turnover at least in order to be competitive because this group of guys without Bree and Tyree is not competing in the SEC next year. So, uh, did we do go they, though? For- I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not. I'll, I'll push back in this sense. The half the roster doesn't mean half the starters, by the way. No, 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 no. I know, I know what you mean. But like, like, like that's kind of what the question is here. Like, it's, it's. Like, like you see, you saw because it's interesting. Blake Henson had an awful year. It's like, what is he as a player? You saw it in flashes from KJ Buffin, but he was far too inconsistent. And is there reason to believe they'll make a jump to their junior year? Sure, but why didn't it happen this year? You know, Hadim C showed flashes down the stretch, but the lack of consistency amongst guys that needed to play key roles on this team just never happened. And then when you have that couple with no bench, you're a really, really shallow team. And by shallow, I mean obviously no depth. And you're likely going to struggle in the offensive end because it's two guards and pretty much no one else. So I don't know. It's a Sadim C come back and look like he did for the better part of the last month of the season. Can you get a jump from Blake Henson and and KJ Buffett? If you can, then they might be okay. You add in Jarkel Joiner. I don't know what to make of Matthew Morrell, but like I, they they're like there are pieces there where you're like this isn't completely bare. But given the way they played this year, to your point, I'm just not sure if they have it in the cupboard. I don't know the answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they have it in the cupboard or not. Because yeah. you, I mean, particularly, it's particularly frustrating with Buffett, I imagine, for Kermit Davidson. Because you look at the body frame and you look at what he does sometimes. You're like, how is this guy not tearing people alive? And then, you know, Henson's a little bit different. He has a confident stroke, if nothing else. But he struggled terribly with his shot this year. He wouldn't put the ball on the floor with any consistency and drive to the rim, which when he did have his best moments, I say best games, but he never put a complete game together. He put a half or he put 12-minute stretches. Like, he didn't do things consistently. And I, how much do you penalize him for that despite he didn't have an offseason? He had a really serious health scare. I don't know. And so there's so much uncertainty. But you have guys where you've seen it in short bursts. How much like change and turnover is actually needed? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I just I wonder. I, I think they have to, at least in some capacity, because uh, man, I, I know Kermit made the NCAA tournament in year one, and recruiting seems to be going a little bit better than uh, more than a little bit going better than his predecessor. But at the same time, I mean, they just went fifteen and seventeen, and. They went 15 and 17 with an all SEC guard and another veteran and Devontae Schuler and a roster outside of those two guys who were your best scoring threats filled with players that you recruit. And I know this comparison it really isn't fair, but I mean, Andy Kennedy did that one time, had a losing record, one time and got fired or resigned, whatever, did it once. So. I mean, I think next year is critical or else you really need to have a conversation about your program, right? That sounds a little extreme, but this didn't happen under your coach that most fans perpetually hated for the better part of a decade. This season didn't happen to him. But But one time and it got him fired. But like what I guess a better way to articulate what I was talking about with like the, the the you've seen it in flashes, but no consistency is they were in games against a lot of really good teams. But then they would go on, they, and then it would be the same way on the road. They played well at Kentucky. You know, they played well for a little bit at Auburn and were in the game. They played decently well at Missouri, but didn't finish it off. Need but one then second throw, again. I'm sorry. I, I just, had, my kid's in the other room. Oh, okay. I, you had far too many stinkers. Like, you get blown out by 
you know, 25 plus at Mississippi State. You get absolutely run off the floor for the first 25 minutes against Georgia. I mean, excuse me, against LSU. Like there were just far too many bad games. And I, I don't think this team was very tough in the sense that like they weren't a very good road team. You finished the season with one true road win. But like Sorry. on the He's other acting on, weird. on the other end of things, they were played they they had Georgia on the ropes beat at home. They had LSU on the ropes beat at home. They had Kentucky beat in Rupp. They were in a ton of games, but then you would just throw up really terrible, just completely non-competitive performances on the road. And I know we haven't had a podcast because I was on vacation since Saturday, but that's part of what Kermit Davis talked about after the game. He was so pissed at his team's toughness after that game because they go in and they have stretches where they're okay, and then they just completely have games where they're completely non-competitive. And maybe that's probably the best way to articulate what I was trying to say with the I don't know how much they need like to overturn because in flashes they were really good at times and then they stunk and they weren't mentally tough. They weren't very consistent and they had one true road win. So I don't know, like what is dude column as a player? I don't, I think I know the ships probably sailed on Franco Miller and Carlos Curry. I'm not reporting anything. That's just speculation, but dude column kind of disappeared the last two weeks of the season after having a pretty good three week stretch. Bryce Williams was disappointing and, I don't know like how much of that comes back, how much leaves on their own. I, I don't know at this time, but it's it's interesting. They're in an interesting picture. I don't uh I, I don't I don't really know. I, I'd like to see this roster in a month when they kind of know who's leaving and who's not, you know? Um complete non sequitur, but it just as news rolls in, man, it's like you refresh Twitter and there's something new. So uh the Toronto Raptors, one of the teams that were in contact with Rudy Gobert. Uh, have tested all of their players and are, are being quarantined for 14 days. I think this is what's coming. Here's a new prediction because it just evolves uh, over the length of a podcast. Every NBA player, coach, and staffer will be tested. Then they will be quarantined for 14 days. If they all pass the test and get through quarantine, or even if they fail the test and then they they clear it 14 days later, the league will start back up and play without fans for the rest of the season until like it's no longer a public health crisis. But that's my guess, is they will test every player, and if they all clear in two weeks, they'll get back to playing games in front of empty arenas. That's just my guess. Interesting. I think that's probably the right – I mean, that that's probably a good guess at this point. And you're probably playing games of, what, three weeks to a month from now if nothing else changes currently yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. That that's, seems most likely. So, anyway, wrapping up the basketball talk, just kind of one final encompassing thought is oh, you talk about what Davis is like, what, what, he, what, what, how do you kind of view Kermit Davis's program? I, in a vacuum, I just view this kind of year as a one-off. Like this team really didn't reflect what Kermit Davis wanted his team to look like. He hinted at that several times throughout the season. Like Kermit Davis's teams are going to get after your ass defensively. They're going to be tough. They're going to be really good on the road. That's a, that was one of the things he said in his press conference Saturday is, you know, every place I've been, we've been a good road team. And this team is just not that this team does not have that toughness. And if you're ever talking about a coach trying to send a larger message through just one statement, he's basically saying, this team is not who I am as a coach. Like this team is not reflecting my personality. And I think that's completely accurate. I think like David, like I think next year, whoever he brings in, they're going to be a tougher minded team. But are they going to be like, are they going to be athletic enough? Because you had to, you're saying goodbye to one of the best guards in your program's history. You know, what, what does Devonte Shewer do? Does he return for his senior year? Like you're losing a lot. So you, you've, you've got to become more skilled and more athletic and have more depth just all over the place. Like you can't have 
as many just non-factors on the roster. I mean, you they they would go into games last year pretty much knowing Crowley not going to be a factor, Sammy Hunter not going to give you much, like Bryce Williams not going to give you a ton. They're just bodies flogging minutes, and you can't really have that in the SEC. You've got to have five or six dudes that know what they're doing and can be adults on the floor and be productive players. Like you can't just do it with two guys. And I think if that's what, if you learned anything from the season, that's what you learned because you look at Bree and Tyree and you think, wow, how is this team so bad? And then you look at Devonte Shure at times and you think, wow, they have a hell of a backcourt, but you just don't have any, they didn't have anything else consistently. And you're not going to win in this league doing that. Um, and I, I think that's probably the overall lesson here. So I think, I think next year they will be a much tougher-minded team, but are they going to be good enough, like in terms of talent, for that to make a difference? I don't know. So, anyway, uh, you got any big final encompassing thoughts on the basketball season? Like I said, this team just was not really one that Kermit Davis ever molded into his image, and I, I think that's probably the primary cause of why they struggled. Yep, and... Uh... I mean, we'll see about life after Tyree. I mean, hell of a career, hell of a player, uh, roller coaster as far as uh, the quality of his teams around him were. But uh, I think next year's critical. I do because uh, there, people will only accept uh, losing records. I think one time. I think next season has to be uh, markedly better. And if it's not, things get a little dicey around that program. And I suspect that they will. As you said, this is not something that is a regular occurrence for Kermit Davis. And things just did not feel right, especially early in SEC play when they started losing these close games. It's like they never mentally recovered from that. Um, so next year's critical. I suspect they will be fine. Uh, his recruiting has gotten uh, – has upticked uh, since he took over the program. But it's a critical year. You can't do this more than once. Yeah, I mean, you got to be in the mix next year. Like, I, I don't miss in a program like Ole Yeah, you don't have to not, make the tournament or, and be a Sweet 16 be, team or anything. But No, but you got to be in the hunt in January and February because this team was out of the hunt by early January. They had that little four-game, three-game winning streak or whatever where you went to Kentucky and thought, ooh, they pulled this off their mind, kind of back in the conversation. Like, to me, that doesn't count as being in it. They've got to no. be in the conversation and be competitive next year for the tournament. And he's got to find some dudes. He's got to go find a couple guys that are just going to be – like. You talk about this team not being tough. There's one kid that on the, the, probably one of the toughest kids on the roster was Luis Rodriguez. And I'm not about to make the case where Ole Miss was a bad team once they lost Luis Rodriguez. He didn't change the trajectory of their season. But that's a big athletic 6'6 wing that's really tough that goes and rebounds. And he needs two or three, although I don't know what he is as an overall offensive prospect, he needs two or three dudes that are that tough. He needs either Blake Henson or K.J. Buffin to become that or he needs to find someone else. And he needs two or three of those and a guard that can fill it up, and they'll probably be more competitive. Yeah, and man, Buffin can be that guy. Like you said, he's got the physical makeup to be that guy, and he just hasn't become that guy yet. Yeah, so anyway, that's about all I had on basketball. I'm sure we'll have an exit interview press conference. I was obviously not in Nashville covering the game, so we'll probably have one final postseason media availability. Uh, wrapping up before we get out of here, uh, baseball just throttled uh, ULM for two games, and then now obviously they're coming home to a very strange and eerie situation. But they get two wins. They picked up a really kind of crisp, hard-earned win on uh, on Tuesday against ULM uh, against a team that was playing pretty good baseball at that point. And then they just throttled them yesterday, went nuts, where they scored 18 runs. Tyler Keenan hit uh, two bombs. He's up to seven home runs on the year. Uh, this team is clicking on all cylinders, and – Oh, 
I, I mean, it's impossible not to talk about it without talking about the coronavirus. And, you know, as this team enters a massive LH series against LSU in an empty gym, they're playing really good baseball. You talk about a weird vibe. Like, well, I'm going to talk to the baseball team today at 1230. We have media availability. But, like, what in the what in the hell? Like, what is what do you figure their mindset is at this point? Oh, man. And, and uh, real quick, an idea from Cole Kublik, by the way, is if the NCAA is going to hold their tournament in, in front of no fans, why not just hold it in one team's, the higher seeds, home gym? Limit the amount of travel, and it's likely not going to be in a big city. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really good idea. Anyway, um, man, it really... It sucks for those guys. It sucks for everybody involved because, as you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, there are people in and around Oxford, including the sponsor of your podcast, that um, need spring events in Oxford to survive. I mean, their economy, their livelihood, paying their rent on their store or their business, and also paying their mortgage and insurance at home depends entirely on Oxford having crowds multiple spring weekends because of baseball and double-decker and graduation and things of that nature. And so not having 30,000 people in total at baseball games this weekend really, really hurts a lot of hardworking people that do just enough to, to pay all of their bills and, and have a, a local business. Like, they depend on this, and it, it just sucks for these people that – uh, this will not be happening, and I hope they uh, they can survive uh, not, not having events in town. But for the baseball players, it sucks too. Because, I mean, I, I was texting with a buddy last night, and it, it, we were joking, but at the same time, like, this, this baseball team right now looks like one of, if not Bianco's best team. The makeup is good. They hit home runs. I mean, they've won almost a school record consecutive games. They have a really good pitching staff. All three starters are good. Their bullpen's good. This is a team that could win a lot of games and host a Super Regional. And, like, actually, when you look at the way they're playing right now, you could see them making the College World Series. And it's very fitting that a team that is this good in the early going has to play freaking LSU, which would have been – three electric atmospheres against a team that they're better than right now, and now they have to play them in front of nobody. Like, it's just, that is the most old Miss shit you've ever heard in your life. A baseball team humming the way they are, and LSU coming to town, and nobody's allowed to be there. Yeah, it's strange, man. It's, it's, it's really odd. Like, and I hope it gets under control, because it is a serious situation. You, you know, Local businesses, hourly workers—we said it over and over again—are going to be affected by this. I just hope it gets under control soon. But man, what an eerie scene it's going to be this weekend. As of right now, I—I am I, understand of the understanding media will be allowed in, so we will be covering these games this weekend. As of now, obviously that could change. But man, what an eerie, just strange scene it's going to be. It's going to be so just kind of surreal. Are they going to let you in? I, that's what I'm saying. As of right now, I think media will be allowed to be in. Um, so Man, that's crazy. Uh, but again, that could change. I don't know. But as of right now, we have not been told anything. We have a media availability today, and by the time you're listening to this podcast, we'll probably have already had it. But uh, as of right now, for everything I know, we will be allowed in to cover the games. Man, this is 
it'll be surreal. I mean, you'll be watching, I mean, Ole Miss and LSU, and and there will be nobody there. Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly just kind of interested to see what it looks like. I mean, I've been to fall scrimmages before, but it's not really the same as that, you know? Like, And there are still people there. Right, exactly. Like, it's it it it's sparse, but there there's still people there, and it's it's. I don't know. I don't really know what else much to say about it until I get to it. You know, we'll have the mailbag Friday show. We'll have the Monday show. We're back on a normal schedule from a podcasting standpoint. I appreciate everyone bearing with me as I uh, took off a couple of days, but we'll just kind of kind of see where this goes. I don't know where it goes next. It 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 seems headed toward a direction where we're going to enter a bit of a sports hiatus in general. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I hope that's not the case, but I don't hope that in terms of like compromising public safety. But we'll see. I don't really have much to add on this. I'm going to go read more about the coronavirus and kind of see where this day is taking us. But you got anything else? Do we miss anything? I think that was kind of the dominating conversation of the day. Yeah, I mean, and God knows if you're listening to this, like on your drive home from work, all everything we just said is probably old news. I mean, that's how quick yeah, everything moved last night. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that's it could be completely different. At five o'clock today, we could have. I mean, it doesn't. It's nine thirty in the morning right now. Yeah, I mean, it could be that the NBA could be like, actually, we're all good, everything's good, we'll continue in three weeks, or it could be like, hey, this is going to be a six, seven week thing. I don't know. Like that's what that's a good point. It's so fluid and it's happening so quickly. So. I don't know, but stay safe and, uh, out there. Here's a shameless plug. Uh, we're going to have uh, Keith Carter on the radio show today at 4 o'clock. So if you're not a regular listener to the radio show, uh, supertalk.fm slash listen. Uh, so just after 4 o'clock, he'll be on. And um, he will have all of your, like if you're a season ticket holder or if you just have tickets for certain games, uh, what the the – all, all of that stuff. If there's a plan in place, what you need to know, that's uh, he, he will give us all of that. So listen to the radio show then. That is a good plug. That is uh, that is definitely uh, – that's news to me, but absolutely like that. Oh, it just, it just became news to me. So <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, yes, tune in. Listen to us this afternoon. Borky, I'll be there at 3 o'clock. I'll remind you one more time. Go see Greg LB's Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, obviously, interesting deal with baseball this week, but – but if you're in town, you want to grill some meat, hang out at your house, kind of chill out from this uh, just kind of pandemic and the hysteria that it's caused. Go see him, University Avenue across from Kroger. He's got steaks, custom cuts, daily specials, plate lunches. He's got all kinds of great stuff. You can go eat lunch there and then decide what to throw in the grill. But go see Greg, University Avenue across from Kroger. He went 4-0 and in the XFL this week, so he's making you money on the books. He can help feed you as well. Greg's the man. Go see him. University Avenue across from Kroger. Thinking about him and a lot of and all of these small business owners in Mississippi, Oxford, all over the country this week as well. Just a tough, tough deal. But Borky and I, we'll be back at it for the Mailback Friday show. We'll go ahead and get you another podcast this week uh, to kind of make up for lost time. But uh, for now, for Michael Borky, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Reminder to, uh, like I said a second ago, we'll have Keith Carter on the radio this afternoon if you want to tune in. But Borky, I'll see you this afternoon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.